I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It wasn't long after Father Donnelly founded Kansas City that Kansas City started to expand and become the Kansas City that it is today. Moving east, moving west, moving north and moving south and spreading all over the area. In fact, Kansas City became so big, it was actually the gateway to the west before our friends to the east decided to steal that moniker. Diane Houston and I take a look back about how Kansas City started to expand. So yeah, St. Louis, you're not the gateway to the West, actually. That name was taken long before you threw up that arch, and it yep. was taken by what we call New Santa Fe, which is essentially, I guess you could say, the Redbridge area of Kansas City. We've looked at how Kansas City was founded. We looked at how Kansas City was originally built, and now we're starting to look at the expansion of Kansas City and starting to look at suburbia, even in the 1800s, becoming a phenomenon here in town, Diane, with the creation of New Santa Fe and basically the fighting of... Which way are you going to go? You're going to go right or you're going to go left and come down towards New Santa Fe when you're headed out west, huh? Yep. It's it's just like making decisions in traffic today. Should I take this exit or should I keep going? Like traffic looks heavy this direction. But it's also very much like Kansas City today in that we've started the process of becoming, I don't want to say secular, but started the process of becoming insulated and isolated in our own little areas of suburbia yep. and doing our thing in Johnson County or Jackson County or Lee Summit or Overland Park exactly. or downtown. I mean, it started way back when with the creation of New Santa Fe when they were directing people, hey, Hey, follow this arrow and come out here to New Santa Fe and see the blacksmith shop, right? <laughs> exactly. We've got the best deals in town. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. New Santa Fe was an interesting, that's where the kind of the heart and soul of what I've been doing and, and how I became, I guess, a historian, if you will, was because of New Santa Fe. I grew up just uh, spit's throw from where this town was. And most people don't even know it existed, which is crazy to me, but um, it was a big deal in the 1850s. It might not be a big deal today. It's, you know, got a marker for it, but it was a huge deal in the 1850s when this town was created on the border. It, it, it started New Santa Fe, um, in 1851. So I, I like to kind of say it beat Kansas City a little bit in that era because, you know, it was incorporated in New Santa Fe and, and, and it was later that Kansas City was in, technically incorporated. Uh, City of Kansas was incorporated in 1853. So, Santa Fe Trail was the trade route at this time, and and it was established in 1821, and it really made it a, a national road by the late 1840s, and that's when you start see, seeing people take this road for travel, and it was usually used as a commercial highway, if mm -hmm. you will. So, so people saw, right, the, the outfitting going on in Independence, and of course, John McCoy wanted to steal the business from Independence, so you had Westport Landing and the town of Westport. And then just to the south, there was also another route that went south, and it was actually more common before Westport, a route that went south and then headed to, toward Olathe, if you will. And this guy buys some land, and his name is uh, Dabney Lipscomb. Love the name, Dabney. Uh, Dabney had come from uh, Kentucky and settled in the area, and he kind of went and scratched his head. He's got his farm right there, right there on the state line. 
uh, which would be the heart of uh, Verona Hills today. He's got this farm, and he says, you know, I'm gonna, I think a town makes sense here. Sure. So he incorporates a town, and he names it New Santa Fe, because, like, we, you know, ran out of ideas. I don't know, but, you know, it was on the way to San Fin in Mexico, and everything to the west at this point is, you know, wilderness. Um, he builds this town called New Santa Fe, had a Shawnee Street, a Market Street, it had a Main Street, which was a, the Santa Fe Trail. And, you know, kind of sells these lots and their large lots and, and ends up being like a legit town right at uh, basically 123rd and state line. Can you believe it? Yeah. Like there was a town there. Crazy. I can. I think there's like a, a, a grocery store there now. Or it used to be a grocery store there now. Ivy. Ivy used to be rest, there. Yeah. yeah. May it rest in peace. It's no longer there. And, uh, actually, and neither is New Santa Fe for that matter. So. Hey, I, I would argue on that one. Actually, the subdivision I grew up in that was nestled between Timber Hill or te, uh, Timber Trace to the, to the south and Blue Hills, if you will. And Verona Hills to the north, there's a one street, it's really a cul-de-sac, and it's called New Santa Fe, the subdivision. So that's where I grew up. And it was cool when when I was a kid. And I think that's, you know, it, sometimes it takes you a while to figure out your calling. But when I was a little kid, there was a cemetery, and it's still there, uh, up the street from my house. And it was it's basically what was left of the town of New Santa Fe. Um, and I used to go up there like a, you know, a, maybe a little creepy but I used to go out there and like do grave rubbings. I asked my mom to do grave rubbings when I was a kid because I was fascinated by these these people that had died, especially little kids. You see like graves for kids. Yeah, sure. And it was like, why, you know, mom, why they die? And I'm sure she made up something. She's she's dysentery. Yeah, <laughs> dysentery exactly. Forty. Well, it was the Oregon Trail, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, so. yeah, exactly. It was part of the yeah, it was part of the th- three trails. But yeah. uh, so I was just so interested in what happened to these people. And so even when I was a little kid, I went to the Redbridge Library and I tried to look up and, and find records. And my mom, my mom, I'm sure was just like, well, as long as she's busy, you know, she didn't care. Right. But uh, I would go up there and look up these people. And it was many years later after I became a certified genealogist. I grew up my whole life. My mom still lives in the house that she built 40 plus years ago. Still in Has she New redone Santa the Fe. kitchen yet? She did. She redid okay. the whole house. It doesn't look anything like it used to, but that's probably good. A yeah. lot of paneling back no in the day. No more green refrigerator and wood paneling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Avocado refrigerator. Of course. Everybody had that. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of returned to my first love of New Santa Fe when I was voluntold by my mom. Uh, she had run into somebody at the grocery store, I think it was, and and, you know, they were trying to get a historic marker for uh, the area of New Santa Fe for a historic church that had burned down. And my mom's like, oh, she's really good at doing research. You should reach out to her. Of course, free gig. All of a sudden, I'm doing research on this church, and it it became fascinating to me through piles and piles of records and hundreds of pages of notes. I was like, these people out here are pretty cool. Like, I started to really piece together who owned what and what houses existed, when houses were torn down. I was able to find photos of what what it used to look like. And I thought, what am I get? What what do I do with all this crap? Like, wait, way to go, Diane. Now you know everything about South Kansas City. Now what are you going to do? I went, well, what's this blog thing all about? And so that's kind of how I created my blog, which is the new Santa Fe trailer. Uh, I, I just decided to write it down. And I hadn't, I was like, who the hell is going to read this? I was so excited. I remember my first month, I was like, oh my God. I had 226 views. <laughs> that's a lot, though. That was, I mean, I mean for but, especially about a town where like nobody lived, you know. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. And Your then, mother of and course, all our senior citizen friends are sitting around reading it, right? <laughs> exactly. It went all the way around the nursing home. I think both in Selmos may have read it. <laughs> Big day. Huge day. Like, wow, you know, half of the, you know, half of Rona Hills read my 
my blog. But it was really exciting to me. And I had re, I had named the blog, the new Santa Fe trailer after a, the neighborhood newspaper, Angela Trezolo, which if you heard of Trezolo resources in town, tra- uh, they're awesome. Um, uh, his name's Angelo Trezolo. He created his own, uh, newspaper on his, uh, very early Apple computer. And he called it the new Santa Fe trailer. And our neighborhood was so friggin' awesome growing up. Our neighbor, Mike Mikko, he had a competing newspaper. Oh, we boy, lived a competing on a newspaper with like six houses. Yeah, like you're talking about which a one was real houses. news and which one was fake news here. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, this, I asked, I remember when I, I emailed him and I said, Angelo, do you, do you mind if I steal the name, the new Santa Fe trailer? He's like, I think this is awesome. And then it turns out he actually even has old copies of the newspaper. I saw it on, on your blog. It is I mean, awesome. you know, some of the stuff on there was great, like death notices. We lost a resident today <laughs> yeah, or somebody was selling a bike for $35. Yep. I mean, it was thanks all for, right there. Yeah, thanks for mowing the vacant lot, Mr. Hodgson. I mean, like yeah. we really did some serious classified ads back then, but it was it, such a great childhood growing up in this area. And it's so cool to me how a little idea, let me write some of this stuff down, has spilled into a bigger and broader perspective. Because it, what's so cool about the pioneers of Kansas City, these families, and I, I call them families because they legit are families. Because these people that came from Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, they didn't go, you know, I'm going to go out by myself. They brought their whole families with them, extended families. And remember back then, especially in the South, a lot of them, you know, married their cousins and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, sure. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, single branch family trees going on out here, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, my tree merges into one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly, pretty, that's exactly what happened. Pretty but, tree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I might have that in some of my family too, but in, in any way. So, I don't think there's any thinking about that, Diane. <laughs> I've known you long enough. I, yeah, exactly. That's why one of the eyes is off. Um, but what's interesting about the, this whole expansion of this blog, it was that it just kind of spilled into a massive Kansas City because these pioneers, Dabney Lipscomb, I'll use him again, the, the founder of this town of New Santa Fe, we'll go back there, we'll circle back. But um, he he brought, you know, his brother, he brought his cousins. They're related to Harris, which was uh, the Harris's, which is Harris Carney House, if you've got down in Westport, which is awesome if you've never been there um it's a historic landmark in the home of the westport historical society um they're related everybody's related to everybody so they bring their families here and they settle and and it's cool because when i'm doing research on one family it automatically spurs into another family and another family which is how i ended up out of my little south kansas city umbrella because you know like marcus gill owned after dabney lipscomb died marcus gill buys his land and he was very well known and we'll talk about him later but Marcus Gill's uh, daughter ends up marrying ABH McGee. So again, I end up out, out in you know Quality Hill area because you know the McGees of Kansas City are a pioneer legacy. Sure. So it's it all started at 123rd and State Line in a cemetery. The cemetery still exists today. I I tell people all the time it's one of the most beautifully um, preserved cemeteries in Kansas City. Um, when when. New Santa Fe is created. It becomes a bustling town. And I'd say it, the population at this time isn't going to rival exactly, probably, uh, it's not as big as Westport at all, probably closer to Kansas City side. Uh, it's about 500 people by 1860. That's a lot of people. That's a ton of people back then. Back yeah. then, that's that's a real settlement. Right. And they had everything from blacksmiths to stonecutters, a hotel, Ooh. Uh, a was carriage it a maker. Or what was it? <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't know, it might have been more like a Super 8. Oh. You know, we're talking like 
back in the olden days here. Uh, grocery stores. One of the gro- the first grocery store in the town was owned by William S. Gregory, first mayor of Kansas City. Um, he had an expansion of his business out on the Santa Fe Trail. So if you're going to, if these people that are in Kansas City or settled near Kansas City are actually watching this town grow, you can tell that they thought something was really happening here when they invested as well in businesses like a grocery store on the state line. Um, some of the lots still do exist. Um, JC Nichols kind of tore the whole town apart. Uh, that's just the whole, I, I can't even begin to merit JC Nichols, but, um, some of the lots do exist on one side of the street. So if you're, there's the streets called Santa Fe Trail now, and you can still see some of those original lots that are, that are there. But this, the first Masonic Lodge, right? Mm-hmm. In all of Jackson County, New Santa Fe. Who would have figured for that, right? It was in, uh, the upstairs of a, uh, of the uh, another grocery store mercantile business owned by um, John P. Smith. And, you know, it's cool because his he's buried at the Blue Ridge Cemetery in Grandview um, and his stone has the Masonic symbol on it. And it goes to show me like it goes to show everybody that even though something doesn't exist today, it doesn't mean that it's not buried underneath you. I, I always love uh, I've got some friends, Jack Wick, uh, metal detecting that I use a lot for different things I do, especially historic properties. And we've dug around in New Santa Fe and and found some pretty amazing things. I mean, there is stuff still buried in the earth. And, you know, I love watching my neighbors go, hey, Diane, look, I found a horseshoe. I mean, they've lived there 40 something years and they're just still finding stuff in their yards. Um, it really shows you that there was something in in New Santa Fe. I there's a historic home that now has been sold to a, a friend of mine named Chris that still exists. That's across the street from where I grew up. Um, that used to be an inn, if you will, or a tavern. I, I, I like, I should call it a tavern. Tavern's it's a way good more name. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way more Better fun. Better than an inn. I know, yeah. an inn's like, meh. But in any case, uh, he owns this historic property and, and over the years, they've collected all of this stuff. Some people, one, one's man's trash is another man's treasure. Stuff out of the ground, including, and I about fell over sideways when I saw it, a plate, this little piece of plate that it was discovered. And I went, oh, my God, it's got the Masonic symbol on it. And it's maybe 50 yards from where this this original Masonic Lodge was. Yeah. And you go, this is from before 1860. Like, that's just, to me, incredible. The, you know, the, the problem with New Santa Fe and where it was built, it was right on the state line. It's right on the trail. Was so it the state line back then? It it wasn't the state line. There was no road there. Right. Right. No, but I mean, like, that, 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 was, was, that the was, state was the state right. line. Yeah. yeah, it went all the way. It butted up to the state line. And okay. actually, the uh, Kansas started to catch on, you know, always second to the game, Kansas. Kansas catches on and actually builds a town on the other side of the state line right next to Called the Santa Fe. newer Santa Fe? <laughs> exactly. That would have been better. Actually, I would have really enjoyed that. Oxford. <laughs> Oxford, Kansas. Oxford, so, Kansas. But I've seen some Oxford things out yeah. on, on the Kansas right. side. Well, like, it was Oxford there's a dry Township. cleaners, I think, called Oxford yeah. or something. Well, and or maybe there's that's a, little, a shirt. little subdivision called Oxford as well. Uh, I think it's Oxford Estates. But Oxford, the town of Oxford. So there's people on the, on the Kansas side that are trying to get in on the game, too. You have to remember, and it, just like we talked about when we started, that there were there's always more than one route mm-hmm. to get somewhere. So... Independence is the outfitting capital originally. And then people started to go independence. And then New Santa Fe was created in 1851. It's going to be your southern route, if you will. It went through Minor Park, which you have the Minor Park Swales. It's really cool. Was the golf course there then? Unfortunately, it was not. Yeah. I don't think, I think it was a little bit more prairie then. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But, you know, of course, the golf course destroyed, I'm sure, Swales when they built that. 
but you go through, you cross the Blue River, the Ford the River. Mm-hmm. Did you did you ever play Oregon Trail when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. if you were too old for that. No, uh, wow, too old. old. Look I, at I know. <laughs> it had to be on an Apple computer. Sure, it did. It was green, right? <laughs> it was green. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna Ford the River because I can't afford to do it any other way, and then you lose a kid, right? You know, or to dysentery, like you said before. But so that was one route was through the. You had to cross the Blue River somewhere. You can't get really around it. So unless you went to Westport Landing, because you would have passed the Blue River. Um, so that first route would have been Independence through New Santa Fe. Another route would have been Independence. And, of course, they did have a road to Westport. So you could go Independence, Independence Westport, and then over to, like, Shawnee Indian Mission, and then head out toward Olathe. And then the other route was going to be, of course, Westport Landing to Westport, Westport to the town of New Santa Fe. And the town of New Santa Fe, essentially that that route would have taken just Warnell Road. I mean, that would have been that route. So there is more than one route to the Santa Fe Trail. So when you see those historic brown signs, you're like, how can there be? Why are they everywhere? There's a reason they're everywhere. It's because those were your main highways. Right. I mean, those are going to be, and, and a lot of them were original Indian trails as well, probably Osage Indian trails. So that town, you know, this town does grow to be about 500, but there's always going to be competing stuff going on. And there was always competition with Westport. Westport's mm-hmm. like, don't take that new Santa Fe route. The roads are horrible. And and I'm like, well, yeah, it is in Kansas City. <laughs> of course well, the roads but, but are horrible. We, we wonder why there's so much, you know, butt butting of heads today in, in this town because it really did start back then. I mean, you look at a map back then, Independence, Westport, New Santa Fe uh-huh. all seem you know, it's relatively close today. It's a ten minute drive, you know, basically Not back then maybe. it was oh, like it's a serious you, thing. It, it was a serious thing back then. It yeah, was like you were 100%. going far back then. And, and so people were competing back then for your your money. I mean, your ability to come through their town to make them better. Right. And if you're going to outfit in Westport, you're not going to stop in New Santa Fe, probably. Right. So, so there's going to be a, co- a competition. And New Santa Fe was created, like I said, in the height of border activity as well. And and there's going to be also, you know, Westport is a pro-slavery town. And New Santa Fe was a pro-slavery town. So a lot of these guys that I've researched over the years, I'm just like, God, I see these, you know, newspaper accounts are like mass meeting in New Santa Fe. We're going to tell you who to vote for. I mean, they like they elected people to stand in front of, you know, crowds in this town and be like, okay, here's how we're going to, this is how we're going to play this ticket because there was such a concern over this slavery issue, especially as Kansas became a territory and legal settlement in 1854. Um, and of course, as we've talked about before, there's border wars, right? Mm-hmm. So, so after that, this, you know, creation in 1854, that's why Oxford didn't last very long. I mean, in, neither did New Santa Fe. It's unfortunate, but as the border wars progressed, and, and I read a few things about this, uh, J.P. Smith's poor little Masonic Lodge was burned down in, they say, around 1856 by, you know, border ruffians. And it would have been the pro, I should say, the anti-slavery ruffians because New Santa Fe was a, definitely a pro-slavery town. And, I, you know, people ask me, how did, and, and like you mentioned, too, you see these maps. And it, if you look at an old map, I, I, I beg all of you to, and you can find them on my blog as well, look at an old map. You're going to see Independence. You're going to sometimes see Kansas City's not even marked. No, not at you know, all. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's it's Independence, Westport, and New Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. And New Santa Fe is it, it was so important. And that's why I think it's important to educate people of where I literally grew up is because it's like, I know it's hard to imagine, but 500 people with businesses, a bustling town right on the border, and it's gone now. 
Thanks to your Jayhawkers. I'm telling you, I swear, Kansas. Well, I blame Dabney Lipscomb for not doing a better job. He had to, he died, man. Well, that's dysentery. not my fault. I don't I mean, know. You know <laughs> it's dysentery. He, he would have done a better job and not sold out to, you know, whoever he sold out to, the uh, the, yeah, the Gills. Gill. You know? Oh, no, don't blame Marcus. Yeah. He's one of my favorites. Gotta, you can't I, be selling out to these folk, right? Yeah, and actually, side note, I'm, you know, you hear, like, why would people move to the southern area like oh my god that's like out in the middle of the wilderness but when marcus gill bought the land there's already a town there mm-hmm. uh when he Good arrived purchased by marcus gill though right yeah yeah, ex- yeah exactly but yeah. uh and, and you know that would have been all of verona hills it's a huge amount of land he even owned part of Bar- where barstow is today i mm-hmm. mean a huge amount of land but you know he was a pretty rich kentuckian when he came in and i love this story because he gets off the boat at westport landing and people are trying land speculators are trying to sell him land and he's like he almost spit in one guy's face because uh, he was trying to you know, overcharge him for land that would essentially be downtown Kansas City now. And I've asked the descendants of Marcus Gill, I'm like, so you pissed? Yeah, right. <laughs> you guys lost out on that one. You had to end up in Southtown, South Kansas South City. South Kansas City, yeah. But yeah, the, the town burned. And that's and that's what was so sad to me is that I could never really figure out what happened. And, and I always wanted to figure out, like, where was the mercantile shop? Where was the blacksmith shop? And I've got it pretty much mapped out over the years. But and and I've got stories about Jim Bridger owned a business in New Santa Fe. Gotta love Jim Bridger. Um, Who was he? The Mountain Man. Did you not see what was the movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Titanic. <laughs> not not Titanic. Why is it escaping me? The Rev is it Revenant? Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Jim Bridger's in that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Jim Bridger. Uh, Jim Bridger is a mountain man. He's he was another kind of guy that came out of nowhere, and his farm was a kind of where St. Joe Hospital is today, over by Watts Mill. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, you know, even though he was an outfitter in a, in a mountain man who really, you know, he married a bunch of Indians, you know, Indian women, and, you know, they died, like, the grave. They just, you know, buried in the side of the creek or whatever. Oh, God. Yeah. But he did have some children and descendants. But Jim Bridger has a really cool history. We'll have to talk about him later. But he he's a part of this this story as well in New Santa Fe. And I think that's cool because Jim Bridger is a, a, a guy who is nationally known. I mean, it's it, to think that people don't even know about the town of New Santa Fe. And then you got this mountain man, you know, it's just cool to me. So why did Santa Fe grow so fast and then go away so fast? Yeah. You know, like you, right. you really don't see that. Like mm-hmm. it exploded onto the scene and then it fizzled out like that and, and became right. like a, a, a dead area. And everybody said, all right, let's go through Westport now. You know, I know. Poor little New Santa Fe. It. It was at the height of the border activity. Uh, Westport was close enough. There was enough uh, close enough to Kansas City to kind of survive the border wars, um, it, it, you know, which occurred starting in 1856, um, where New Santa Fe was out really out far. I mean, yeah. it was, there was nobody there around. There was nobody yeah. around. So, uh, and, and you, it would be easier to attack them than it would be easier to attack Westport, gotcha. if you will. Yeah. So, in 1861, and, and this is uh, right at you know at the height of right after the Civil War began, uh, Colonel Jennison. Uh, Jenison's Jayhawkers, Red Legs, if you will. Um, I never really could figure out exactly what happened to New Santa Fe until I found an article about it. And if you can believe it, it was in um, the Olathe Mirror newspaper. Oh, of course. And um, it was originally published in, in the Leavenworth Times. And it said, uh, Colonel Jenison's regiment, several members of this regiment arrived here, which would be Leavenworth yesterday. They report the regiment at Kansas City and the rebels had burned about 90 wagons belonging to the trains recently captured by them. So that would be that, you know, the rebels, meaning the bushwhackers had burned this. And, you know, so what are you going to do if, if they if they, you know, burn and take your wagons? 
says, but most of the oxen had been recovered. New Santa Fe had been burned. Wow. So there it was. So it's like, you know, an eye for an eye. Yeah. Here's these bushwhackers that were probably attached to the town of New Santa Fe. And you got to remember that you, even if you live four miles from New Santa Fe, that was your post office. That was a, there was a post office there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was your post office. So when people said, where are you from? New Santa New Fe. New Santa Fe. I mean, like if you're out of town and you say, you know, where are you from? I don't think you probably say Overland Park. You probably say Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah. Right. So, so the area really encompasses a lot larger than those 500 people that watched their town burn to the ground thanks to the Jayhawkers. But that's what happened. Why didn't they rebuild? Why didn't they rebuild? Some of them did. But in general, at that point, the town had been absorbed. And you have to remember what happens right after the Civil War is you have trains. Mm -hmm. So that whole transcontinental system isn't going to be what it was before. Gotcha. So it really wasn't needed anymore. It wasn't needed anymore. And and so Westport kind of gets absorbed into Kansas City. New Santa Fe, what's, what's interesting is the town might not have been there, but the church was there. And the cemetery eventually was there. And so that was the heart of the community is your church. So it was it's still people called it New Santa Fe. And oh, by the way, they also called it Little Santa Fe. And sometimes in newspapers, Little Santa Fe. No, Little Fee. Little F-E-E. F-E-E. I'm like, I can hear the twang. Yeah. Can you hear the twang? Little I, Santa Fe. There's like a wheat sticking yeah. out of somebody's mouth yep. uh, before they die of dysentery. Yes, that's right. <laughs> but that's so the town essentially is going to just the, the post office did stay open for a long time. But then the railroads take over, and that's when you have, and we talked about Dabney, Dabney's uh, nephew, whose name was Nathan Lipscomb. Nathan Lipscomb actually is the one who platted Martin City, and Martin City ends up being a town, and the reason it was placed there is simply because of the railroad. Mm -hmm. That's not that far from New Santa Fe. No. Two miles, maybe? So so that's, Martin City killed New Santa Fe. Gotcha. So Martin City wins, and so does their beer. Who's Martin City named after? Martin City is named after E.L. Martin, who was the, also the second. The he he had run for mayor uh, of Kansas City. Uh, he was uh, another pioneer of the area. Was he a New Santa Feian? He wasn't a New Santa Feian, <laughs> but Nathan Lipscomb was. Yeah. So yeah, so they come back to their roots, and I think it's it's interesting that it started with the Lipscomb and it kind of died with the Lipscomb because of Nathan Lipscomb plan, uh, planning out uh, Martin City. But that's what happens is the town got absorbed. People still, you know, had memories of New Santa Fe. And, and there is some that there's a beautiful gate on the cemetery now that says New Santa Fe. And there's markers that you can go read and, and see where this town used to be. It is incredible. There's swales inside the cemetery as well. It's incredible for me to think that this all started because of traffic. And it kind of all ended because of the development of the railroad. I love New Santa Fe. It is, you know, it will always be my home. It really is amazing to see some of the same things happening today in our town that happened way back in the 1800s when we first set foot on this soil. Join us next month for another great look inside Kansas City history. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.